Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? I can take out my frustrations Mm -hmm. on a bucket of golf balls. So Mm -hmm. I'm to the farthest tee box because I didn't want to dent anybody's car. I'm a horrible golfer. And I was underneath these big steel towered power lines and a thunderstorm started. So there's wind, rain, thunder, lightning, and I'm under big metal towers Everybody but me ran away, and I just stayed out there. And at one point, Mm. I held the club up, and I looked at the sky, and I said, go ahead. (laughs) Give it your best shot. So I hit my bucket of golf balls, the buckets of two guys who had run from the storm. And at the end of it, I could hardly lift my arms. And I got to my car, and I opened the door, and the rain stopped, and the sun came out like that. And I just started laughing. Well played. (laughs) The next day... I was on the phone with a brand new life coach I just started working with. And he said, how was your week? And I told him the story of that hour. And when he stopped laughing, he asked, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you would be great at both. Our conversation is a recovery journey, not from the usual addiction or problems, but from self-deprecation. There is power in what we think, believe or say about ourselves. It is the difference between enjoying or enduring this life journey. My guest this week is Steve Gamlin, who had a wonderful childhood in the Northwest US, with great parents, family, friends and incredible memories. When he was 11 years old, he dreamed of being a radio DJ, a comedian and a teacher. He went to college doing four years in business studies and only scraping his graduation. College did not work for him well. It left him with his confidence crushed and no self-esteem. So broke and sleeping on his grandfather's sofa. A caring friend asked him about his radio dreams, which gave him the impulse to act. He borrowed $4,000 from his grandfather and did an eight-week broadcast course leading to an internship that started a 10-year radio career. As you will hear, radio is not all it's cracked up to be. And it's not the best, most healthy environment when you're in the public domain and struggling with a self-image. Steve achieved all of his dreams from his 11-year-old self, although in his words he had to burn his life to ashes every single time. What you will hear in this conversation is a man with a lovely radio voice who has turned his life around by carefully managing his thinking, optimising his daily routines to create the life he wants to live. 
Today, Steve is the host at the Motivational Firewood podcast. He works with people to create back-to-basics positivity through visualization and humor. He's the teacher he always wanted to be, helping people build the necessary mindset to identify how their goals might feel, sound and smell. So let's join this conversation with Steve Gamlin. So this is life, passion and business and the journey is always, where did it start for you? Where, where did it start for you, Steve? For me, it started when I was 11 years old and I had four goals. I wanted to be a radio DJ because at the time in the late 70s, there's a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati with a character named Dr. Johnny Fever. And I thought he was the coolest human being on the planet. Steve Martin was a big comedian at the time, so I also mm. wanted to be a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. And thanks to our mom, my sister and I were brought up with a love of reading and writing. And I wanted to write my own books, even when I was 11 years old. Wow. And my fifth grade teacher at the time, Mrs. Farron, was so inspirational to me because anytime I finished my work early, she encouraged me to go help other students. So I wanted to be a teacher of people, mm. but not necessarily in a school classroom. And mm-hmm. for better or for worse, over the past 44 years since then, I've managed to enjoy them all throughout mm. my life. Now I've crashed and burned the whole thing in between a couple of them, but the seeds and the ashes of one tended to to lead to the other. So that was where I started at 11 years old. So whereabouts in the US were you born and, and brought up? In the Northeast, mm-hmm. uh, just about an hour or so north of Boston, Mass. Mm-hmm. And good childhood? Excellent childhood. Great parents, great family, lots of friends. So many incredible memories and just an inspirational childhood compared to what a lot of people deal with. I've mm-hmm. been very, very blessed in my life. Yeah, they do say that most of us, you know, 50% of our battles are won before we were born. Yeah. And that's, that's very yeah. true. I, I'm very conscious of that myself when I, when I see some things going on in the world. Yeah, not, not this time, thankfully. Um, so, I mean, obviously you had these passions early and so how did, how did they follow? I mean, did you do college and, and stuff? I mean, you said you wanted to be a DJ. That, that can't be, it can't be high on the list of your parents' approval rating, is it really? <laughs> yeah, uh, I got the typical parental, you know, advice. Yes. Go to school, get a good education, get yes. a good job, get yes. a good company with good benefits. Basically, put your head down on a desk for the next 45 years and retire with a nice benefits package. Mm. That wasn't really my plan. Although I did go to a four-year college, uh, my grades, after being embarrassed in the seventh grade spelling bee, my grades just descended from there until I graduated college by 62 one-thousandths of a point. And lost all confidence, stopped raising my hand in class. So by the time I barely graduated college with a Bachelor of Arts in business, I had no desire to really do anything. I was just frustrated and I was stuck. And is that because you, know, you were a particular to... is that because you were a particular type of learner and it didn't didn't support you? Uh, I just you know, I, I just didn't have a lot of confidence or self-worth anymore. Mm. And I did not want to be visible, which of course goes against a couple of my goals of being a stand-up comedian and a radio DJ. Fit, so yeah. I was just kind of in a gray area for a while until a friend when I was 24 asked me, broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch, asked me why I never pursued my goal of radio. And, and 
what an angel that friend was to have reached out then and asked because out of excuses, I borrowed $4,000 from my grandfather and went to broadcast school for eight weeks and instantly landed an internship that got me in the door at a radio station that led to a job in a 10-year radio career. Wow. Wow. It's amazing how one, how one thing can trigger something else, can't it? Really? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that yeah, must have been that must have been quite a, a a leap of faith for both you and your grandfather to lend you the money in the first place. Yeah, it took a while to pay him back because radio is not notorious. Uh, radio is notorious for not paying well. So it took me well. And internships are, are not notorious for not paying at all. <laughs> no, no, and I did that for three months, and everybody thought I was crazy. And I I knew going back to something my dad told me. He goes, you know what, bud? He goes, you might not be getting paid right now. You might be driving an hour each way to get there. He goes, but you got your foot in the door. Mm. Now work your tail off to make sure you don't get thrown out that door. He goes, you do everything they ask of you and more. Yes. And exactly. I did. Make yourself indispensable. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So when you do leave, uh, oh, bugger, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wish it had happened that way. That radio station got sold two years later and we all got fired. And the next. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, years. no. That's, that's not how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> I know. Well, that's that's what happens in the industry. That I happened think radio is a bit volatile, is it? It is. It's it's nasty. It's dangerous. It's ego filled. There's a lot of mental illness and addiction in the entertainment world. I mean, we know that even at that level, uh, even of regional rock radio stations, there's so much chaos and drama at all times. And. You know, people would say, yeah, but Steve, all the, everybody sounds so happy. I said, yeah, between the songs. <laughs> it's a lot of I mean, I, these are these are all advertising-driven environments, aren't they? And and I guess, are. and it's all about maintaining your numbers so that you can go and talk to advertisers and say, we're maintaining our numbers. Give us more money. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a purist. I'm a visionary. I'm an artist. Mm. I'm an entertainer. For me, it's all about the quality of the product. And I get that it's, you know, you gotta, it's got to generate revenue. But the loyalty, of course, to the companies was the money. And mm -hmm. each time one of the radio groups that I was working for got sold, we all got fired. And that happened to me twice. And I heard a rumblings of it a third time in my 10th year. And I just said, I'm out of here. I'm mm -hmm. done. And I blew my entire life into a million pieces. Radio, marriage. You exploded the radio career. Obviously, you decided it wasn't going to work for you because you didn't want to be taken over again. But that took your marriage out as well? Or was that, that, was that a different story? It did. Well, that was kind of trailing some smoke and downhill anyway, mostly due to a lack of communication. At the time, I was a person who kept everything inside, was not confrontational at all. And all the frustrations, our, our energies didn't match. Mm -hmm. I was very positive or at least tried to be and let's just say our energies didn't always match yeah and yeah, all of but a it sudden must, all the it must have a up. toll on you though mustn't it well, if you're doing a radio station where you're pretending to be happy between the records yeah and so you've got that public face where i'm pretending to be happy constantly which is which is a very valuable skill to do because it is but if, if you don't believe it you're never going to be it are you so and then that has it has a toll because you've now got a mismatch of what's going on in your life, you know, an, an energetic mismatch. Mm. And there was also pure exhaustion because yeah. radio not paying well, I started DJing weddings on the weekends. So I did as many at one point. I was doing 
between 80 and 104 weddings per year. So not only was I exhausted from Monday through Friday on the radio, but I was working all weekend. And I did yeah. that for a number of years. It was just mm. fried. I, mean, mm. I was on just my last nerve cells that were just mm. barely pulsing, just exhausted and frustrated and just decided jumping out of the plane without a parachute was easier than crashing in the plane. Okay. So we've got no job, no marriage. Where were you living? Moved back to dad's nice, at age nice. 35, feeling like the biggest loser waste of a human being on the planet. But even that turned into a blessing because my dad's health started to go downhill. And my stepmom told me a couple of years later, you know, if you weren't here, we would have had to sell the house. So I'm not rushing you out the door, but I'm really glad you're here and it's good for your dad. Mm. That took a lot of the sting in the stigma out of it. I was supposed to be there at that time and, and i yes. just trust that yes the divine could, energy yes. kicked in could you imagine if you if you, were, if you were still working in the radio station doing the hours you were doing and your dad was ill you would be having you be pulled in so many directions yeah the uh, universe often does deliver these things that you know they're not pleasant the way some of these things happen they're not nice but they often work out for the best yeah yeah, in hindsight, and sometimes the hindsight doesn't take very long to kick in. You know, you can say, oh, I can't believe this happened. And a couple of days later, uh -huh. the reason it happened reveals itself. Yeah. You know, and I, whatever you choose to believe in, I, I believe in God. I look up all the time and I wink and I go, okay, I got that one. I got it. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it happens. So where lot. did you go from there? I mean, that's obviously a big jump. You, you've now, not a new, you need to find a new career. Honestly, I guess dad was the full-time job for a while, but. Uh, well, part-time for a number of years, but I did take care of a lot of the physical work at his house while he was at work. He was a carpenter at a local college. So I, I spent a lot of time while he wasn't around doing as much as I could. Hmm. But we had just built a recording studio in an office in his basement because I wanted to start my own production hmm. work and voiceovers and things. And uh, in August of 2003, still in a funk, still brutal self-deprecating self-talk mm -hmm. i mean just real bad I, I beat up on myself horribly and uh in august of 03 on a friday afternoon very hot very humid i had three dollars in my pocket and i was driving by a mini golf place that had a driving range mm -hmm. i thought well i'm a terrible golfer but i can take out my frustrations mm -hmm. on a bucket of golf balls so mm -hmm. i went to the farthest tee box because i didn't want to dent anybody's car i'm a horrible golfer and I was underneath these big steel towered power lines and a thunderstorm started. So there's wind, rain, thunder, lightning, and I'm under big metal towers. Didn't they close didn't they close the didn't they close the, the range? No, oh, no. They didn't. No, no, no. Everybody but me ran away and I just stayed out there. And at one point, not mad at God, because some people get mad when I say this. I was not mad at God. I was mad at myself. Mm. I held the club up and I looked at the sky and I said, Go ahead. <laughs> Give it your best shot. So I hit my bucket of golf balls, the buckets of two guys who had run from the storm. And at the end of it, I could hardly lift my arms. And I got to my car and I opened the door and the rain stopped and the sun came out like that. And I just started laughing. I thought that was the I'm funniest going, thing. Not today, buddy. <laughs> I looked up and I'm, I'm thinking, well played. And the next day, I was on the phone with a brand new life coach I just started working with. And he said, how was your week? And I told him the story of that hour, as funny as I could make it sound. Yeah. Self-deprecating, but funny. Yeah. And when he stopped laughing, he asked, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you would be great at both. And he didn't know I had had those goals when I was yeah. 11. Yeah. 
And two weeks later, I was in my first stand-up comedy class. And a week after that, my first Toastmasters meeting. And here we are. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So Toastmasters is your route into learning the skills. Yes. Yeah. And he and he even said, he goes, look, you got the skills and the story. He goes, you want to really fine-tune them and build them. Mm. Have you ever heard of Toastmasters? And mm. I wound up staying in Toastmasters for eight years because I yes. loved it so much. Yes, I was in it for a few years as well. And I can certainly agree with you. It's a, it's a lovely environment to be in. Yeah. And um, and I, from what I remember you saying when we first met, you were a bit of a competition junkie in that one. You, you did all the competitions. I did. Yeah, I steered clear of anything involving <clears throat> leadership. And anytime they asked me to take on a position, I just would look at them and tilt my head like a puppy and say, I am not the guy you want in charge of anything. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll compete on any stage you've got. Did you did. did you win? Did you win any? I did win several um, at the, well, I say international level because we're so close to Canada. Yes. Uh, I did win the Humorously Speaking competition in 2008 of the states of Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and the Canadian provinces of Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and New Brunswick. I did nice. manage to to win that one, which was a joy. I drove seven and a half hours to speak for six and a half minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's the thing about those things that you don't you don't get long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was great, and and that's what I also learned. Uh, don't try to be funny with the border guards when you're driving from one country to the other. They don't think humor is very. No, humorous. they think humor is a is a cover for lying through your ass. Over, <laughs> and I got my car searched, and yeah. Um, yeah, I had yeah. to give them actually the script to my speech to prove that I was there to compete in a speaking competition and I was not a drug, you know, yeah. trafficker. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. there we go. So <laughs> what happened there? I mean, obviously the story develops. Obviously you, you, you went into this business into full time. Were you a motiva motivational speaker or both? I started speaking and doing stand-up comedy at the same exact time. And I nice. did stand-up for seven years uh, in and around New England and New York City a couple of times. Yeah. And then somebody said a number of years in, they said, Steve, I love your stuff. But if the female CEO of a company that was interested in having you come in and do your motivational work saw you in the comedy club and didn't understand that there's a difference between the two, would she still hire you? Hmm. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? I wasn't a dirty comic. I didn't use a lot of curse words or anything, but it was adult in nature because I'm an adult. And I said, <clears> you know what? You're right. And so I took all the skills I had learned about humor and comedy and brought them into my speaking and my storytelling. Hmm. And my career got more successful because apparently not everyone can do that. So I left the comedy, the stand-up comedy behind, but brought the humor into the speaking and it benefited me right away. There is something very powerful in being able to deliver a message with humor. I, I, I know it's, and I've seen it done many, many times and it's always more memorable. Uh, in addition to speaking, I have also been very big on visualization and helping people to understand the power of visualization and seeing their goals and building the action plans. So I've got a program called Vision Board Mastery that teaches people and company teams to do that. So between the two and coaching on the visualization as well, mm. it's uh, it's a one, two, that's three tiers right there. And one more pillar of business is other speakers pay me to make their material funnier. So I've been able to harness the gift of the stand-up comedy mm. and now monetize that as part of my business. Nice, nice. 
So obviously this journey has been, you know, your, your passion, your, clearly your passion for speaking and communications come out all the way through it. And, and, uh, and we're doing it now. I can see you're passionate about doing this conversation with me because uh, as, yes. you know, as, as we, as we do this. So how has success changed for you over the years? Cause at some stage success was getting off your granddad's couch. Yeah. You know, so what's, I mean, and I, and I know you said, you know, you're, you're, you're never, you're never going to go for this idea of the job situation, but how do you measure success for yourself? I measure success. You know, the biggest thing is when I lay my head down on my pillow at night, was I the best version of myself today for myself and for everybody around me and mm. anybody who happened to cross my path? It's not, you know, I was, I joke about what I call the vision board starter kit, which is typically some motivational gurus, no offense to the other gentleman. No, 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 you did definition you know people say what a success a lamborghini a yacht a mansion a private jet a helicopter big honk and watch or a ring and a bank vault full of gold bars and that's what some people call success uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah to me success is if i left a, enough plus signs trailing behind me all day long because i'll never run out and my my thing wherever i am including this conversation is how can I leave this better than I found it? How can I add to this? And how can mm. I make this better because of the energy that we're kicking back and forth? Mm. We're 5,000 miles apart. But yet here we are both with an opportunity to create something that could inspire people another 5,000 miles away from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this podcast has, 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 uh, listeners in the U S Australia and Africa. So it's quite amazing really that the people get to listen to this stuff. And I get communication from people all over the world about them. Oh, this was good. That was good. It is quite humbling sometimes when you hear what people say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I send some of the things that I hear, I send them to my mom. My mom is still my biggest fan. And she, she says that all the time. Nice. And whenever somebody sends something nice, I tell them, I said, just know this is going to get printed out and hung on my mom's fridge. Mm, <laughs> lovely. she loves it and i actually sent her a nice message the other day i wrote a, a chapter for a, a, a compilation book and the author sent me a message said that it made her cry she was mm. it was tears of joy but it made me cry what you shared so i sent it to my mom and i said you know it's your fault for instilling <laughs> such a love of reading and writing to me but just so you know i just made a grown woman cry uh -huh. and my mom's like i'm so proud of you but don't make girls cry so you know you know the happiness thing that's brilliant and you know, and you know achieving that with people is amazing and and you know and using that as your success model model is brilliant i think but obviously my next question is contribution mm -hmm. and clearly you have contributed to the world in terms of what you do in terms of a very clear contribution how do you see your contribution you could not have asked a better question because five seconds before you asked it something popped into my head about giving and giving back. Mm. Um, when we were kids, my mom said to my sister and I, someday I want to buy an old building and bring a bunch of homeless veterans in and let them refurbish it and rebuild it and live there for free and get educated and all of this. <clears throat> my contribution now is acts of kindness because 12 years ago, we found a local place that had already done all the work. All we have to do is ask them, what do you need? So my family, I started this mission. We call it beach bum philanthropy because that's my goal in life to just live like a beach bum in every day, just putting kindness back into the world, whether it has something to do with me speaking or not, I get to verbalize, I get to meet with people. I get to meet with potential donors. And by sharing my gifts of speaking and storytelling and, and touching hearts and, and 
showing passion and integrity, we get to take that energy, work with people and share it out into the world. So again, even with that, to leave situations better than I find them every day, that's my contribution. Now I get, of course I get paid to be on stage. I get paid to coach people and all of that. But some of my favorite things are just in the pure giving mode and connecting with people. And I've been brought to tears a number of times because something that I thought was so simple meant the world to someone else. And they actually taught me something about the the hardest thing I find in my myself. Some of the things that I think I find so simple, some of the things that I, I, I take for granted, other people find so amazing. And I, and I miss so much, so much stuff because I don't appreciate how significant some of these things are. Yeah. I get taught a lot. And my, a couple of years ago, before he passed away, my dad had a pair of work boots in his garage. They were almost new. He had spattered some blue paint on them. A, a paint can had fallen. Mm. And they sat on his garage shelf for over a year. And I said, what are you doing with those boots? He goes, ah, they got paint on them. I'm going to throw them out. I said, well, I'm going to call the veterans homeless mm. shelter. And he, my dad was a veteran. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I don't want to give them something that's damaged like that. And I just thought about it. I said, you know what, bud? At two in the morning, in the middle of winter, Mm. The homeless veteran who's freezing down in the woods by the river doesn't care if there's blue paint on those boots. I said, those boots could save his life. And he said, okay. The next day I was at the shelter. A guy had come in with ripped up sneakers and and torn socks. And it was the same exact foot size as Mm. my dad's boots because I called and said, do you know anybody who needs boots this size? And they said, yeah, he was here this morning and he's going to be back here tomorrow night. (laughs) So I drove there, I think it was 120 degrees in my car because I had the heater on the whole way with the boots stuffed right in front of the heater. A thick pair of socks, ran in, the guy was on the staircase and put them on his feet and his face when he went, I will never forget. And I just got goosebumps when I said it. And Mm. I'll never forget that moment of what we thought was trash Mm. to someone else was absolute gold. Mm Mm-hmm. So back on that contribution side, there's there's two sides to contribution. There's the contribution to the world. There's also the contribution to ourselves, because we're not, you know, we uh, we are a human being doing human doing and human human being as such. And it's not about the work that we do. It's about what we do for ourselves. What, you know, how we contribute to ourselves. So how do you see yourself contributing to yourself? I guess I it's spent- about loving about loving yourself, basically. Really, isn't yeah. It? I spent years, and um, that's pronounced decades, not honoring myself. My Mm. self-talk was horrible. Mm. I put myself down all the time. I called myself Hurricane Knucklehead in the early 2000s, according to my journals that I wrote Mm -hmm. for everything I did to myself. And right around 2011, uh, a friend of mine kicked me so hard with a pair of steel toe boots because he caught me being self-deprecating on stage in front of an audience. Mm. And he said, I, he goes, brother, I love you. I wished you loved yourself. He goes, that was brutal to watch. Mm. And because I could use humor and get laughs doing it, I never saw the damage I was doing mm. with it. And over time, since then, I've learned to honor myself. And the start of every day now, thanks to Mel Robbins, famous speaker and, and author and coach. First thing I do in the morning is within five beeps, my alarm is off. I count to five, four, three, two, one in my head. Both feet are on the floor. I lean back, kiss my wife, Tina. 
go to the bathroom, turn on the lights. They are blinding. But out of one little corner of one eye, I high five myself in the mirror with a big smile. I said, we're going to make a great day happen. Wow. And I'll point at myself, the double barreled fingers. I'll go, you rock. <laughs> and some people think it's silly, but I'll tell you what, I am more awake and alive and passionate and, and compassionate with myself at quarter past five in the morning than some people are all day. That's long. an early start, buddy. That's a really early start. That's when I get up to work out in the morning and exercise and then meditate. And then as soon as I get back upstairs, I write in my gratitude journal, my three favorite moments from the previous day. Nice. And not broad brushed. I mean, specific moments, just so you know, tomorrow morning, this is going to be number one in today's gratitudes. Oh, dear me. You're going to do my ego with a world of good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's honoring myself in such a way that I don't see it as a bad thing anymore. Mm. You know, I, I just celebrate what I got to be a part of today. That's all. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not by saying, Hey, I'm great. You know, we see these people helping the homeless and they're on camera on their TikTok channels, telling the world how great they are. I don't ever want it to be that. I want to mm. be brutal and honest in my mirror every day and say, you know what? Today, I'm really proud of you because you did this, or you said this, or you got to help with this, or you added value in a way. And by the way, you know, I'm, I'm 25 pounds lighter than I was two years ago. So I honor that every day and I let it guide me through that day to keep the momentum going and the confidence. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, actually having, you're one of, I mean, a lot of people do have these processes, and but you've clearly, I mean, I guess you came on a journey because you were in a place where you had to do something about it. And yeah, yeah I mean, if you've, yeah, I can see how you got there. And and it's an amazing stuff when you can do that. I think gratitude is such a powerful tool. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And, um, you know, even in the pandemic, a couple of years, people go, oh, 2020, dumpster fire, 2021, dumpster fire, 2022, dumpster fire, part three in 3D. I actually, they were brilliant years for me actually yeah. <laughs> i wrote down in each of those years between 850 and 950 individual moments of gratitude yeah. each year yeah. so that's 850 plus reasons why that year was not the disaster that so many people claim it was because that's all they're choosing to focus on yeah. Uh, and as they say, where the, where you put your attention, you know, and as you know, attention goes and energy flows. Yeah. So if you're going to put the attention yeah. on the bad stuff, that's what you will remember. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, you know, that's what he says yeah. every time, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So moving us on, I mean, obviously, the, the, you, you've mentioned God a couple of times in this in our conversation. So, and then that for me is about meaning. It's about, well, you know, what's it all for? Why are we doing this journey for you? What is meaning for you? Meaning for me is looking back, even even at a moment situation and knowing that I brought a plus sign to it. You know, that's all life is to me. Just leave as many situations as you can better than you find them. And to always act with integrity and know my core values at all times, whether it be my thoughts, my words, or my actions have got to reflect the best version of me that I could be in that moment. And the more I do that, the more I love who I am, what I get to do all day long. And it's so addictive. You know, I haven't had a drop of alcohol in 28 and a half months. And that was an addiction of one very tall drink per night. So when that went away, when I chose to make that go away, I replaced it with just being the best version of myself every day and not having that crutch to fall back on every night to relax. Hmm. 
So every podcast or conversation I get to be a part of, every time I'm on stage, every time I go to the grocery store, I get out of the car and I go, I look around, I go, all right, how am I going to leave this situation better than I found it? Who needs a smile? Oh, is there a cart that needs to be rescued? What's going on here? How can I add to this? And mm. when you do that every day, it's like going to the gym. You get better at it. You get stronger. You're, you're wiring. You get hardwired for it. It's not just when an opportunity smacks you in the face, you start seeking out opportunities based upon your wiring and you, within your integrity to just add to it every day. And I, I just get to stack up wins all day long on purpose with purpose. And it's made me at 55, the happiest version of me there's ever been so far. Not every day is easy. Well, I need to get there because you are sounding like a perfect human being at the moment. You've, you've given me a journey <laughs> of someone who is actually living life to the full in absolute perfection. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. So how do you deal with the shit bits? Because there must be some, there must be some days when that didn't go quite as I planned. How do you oh, deal with those every, ones? There's something every day. <laughs> there's absolutely something every day. And, and you know what helps me? And it's actually part of what I teach. Yeah. But you have so many people out there saying work-life balance as though there's only two things. I've chosen to work inside of uh, a standard in our industry. It's a life wheel. And it's got eight areas of life. Yes. And during the pandemic, I'll be honest, both of my businesses, my DJ business and my speaking and coaching, got absolutely destroyed when the world shut down because yeah. it was all based on live events. Yeah. So that all went away. And in a very short period of time, I had three deaths of people very close to me. Hmm. So I was waking up with, with a garbage mindset most days, feeling like mm -hmm. the victim because I kept getting punched down and punched down, punched down. And it was not easy. When all your money goes away and your income and your revenue goes away, you start having dark thoughts and you're you watching your, your savings dwindle to almost nothing. Yeah. And you have to start all over again. There were a lot of dark days, but because I worked out of my life wheel, instead of work life, I had physical health, emotional well-being, relationships, core values, faith, connection, work, money. Mm. I was crushing in the other six areas as I got the strength and the confidence to do what I could to put back together the other two. Whereas if I just stared at those two, it, it got dark. <laughs> it got really It dark. does. And that's the point. It's about finding, it's about finding the positive bits in other parts of your life and using it to feed those yeah. things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had somebody recently <clears throat> who, who knew me a couple of years ago and he said, I knew you were going to finally see it. He goes, I didn't want to tell you because you, you know, you teach this and all. He goes, but I knew you were going to eventually focus on all the ones that were working to then help bring the other two back up. And now mm -hmm. they're, they're back up, which, you know, now that everything's opened up again in my mindset, I never stopped working throughout, even on the worst days, I was always creating some new content or getting on calls or getting on shows all around the world. So just doing the work every day can drive you through the really bad stuff. So what is your message to people? You know, can we coming to the end of our time together? So, you know, this is, this is the, the bit, what is the big message you want to leave people with? Yeah. Biggest they... thing, create the vision for the best version of your life and make sure the word your is in capital letters in a bold font. I'm thinking Gaudi stout. That's a good font for, for me to say that boldly, create the best vision mm -hmm. of what you want your life to look like, feel like, sound like, smell like, taste like, attach all your senses to the best version of you. Mm. Figure out what you need to learn, who you need to meet to help you to get there. We don't have to do this all by ourselves. 
and then take a consistent action plan. It's like an old wooden roller coaster. You go click, 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 mm. click up the first hill. You got to do all the work. Stop thinking that any of this is instant gratification and instant rewards because it's not just what you get. It's who you become along the way. So see that best vision and then figure out your way to get there. From my perspective, I agree with that. But what I've also recognized quite often that vision of yourself, mm -hmm. it's what you have from this point here. But as you move closer towards it, you often see a better vision of yourself because you couldn't see that one from where you currently were. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I tend to look at it from more of like, okay, let's move in the right trajectory to where we want to get to, because sometimes something better might turn up on the way. Oh yeah. You know, and some people say, well, I just want to get to the top and go, well, you know, some people get nervous about that, but all of a sudden they get halfway up and they're still nervous, but they look over their shoulder and they go, Oh my gosh, I've come farther than I ever did before. Yeah, that's right. And then they realize they're more than halfway and then they get excited. Now they're getting acclimated. Like you said, you know, on the trajectory, you start to see and feel a better version of yourself that maybe you never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And you still got more room to grow. There's always room to grow because when you get over the top of that hill and you enjoy the success of whatever goal you just achieved, if you really love the ride, you want to get back on and set a new goal. And then you get to be an even better version of yourself at the beginning of the next one mm. in the next trajectory. And I've been very pleasantly surprised over the past almost 20 years since becoming, since deciding to become a speaker and do what I do. I look back at the early stuff now and go, wow, I'm glad I did it, but it was scary mm. at the time. Very scary to yeah. even get up in front of people at Absolutely. a time in your life where you're not feeling like a success, but you're talking about, how to at least get to the next level. And I've, I've been on at least 20 roller coasters since then, metaphorically to, oh. to just keep going. I'm on another one now because I'm always looking for that next best version of me. It's that's the thing, isn't it? It's, and you know, I, you know, that the fact that you can keep moving, there's no, there's no stopping anywhere. Yeah. 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 I'm not even close yet to where I want to get. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm surrounded with the best people. I've kicked a bunch of them off the ride. They're on the merry-go-round because they want to just do the same thing every day and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to keep climbing. Good for you. So how do people get in touch with you and what is it that you offer if they do? Yep. Nice and easy. You can find everything that I have to offer at stevegamlin.com, G-A-M-L-I-N. And everything I do is there, whether it be speaking at events or coaching or the Vision Board Mastery Program. Lovely. Well, I will make sure that that link, are you in socials at all? I am. Look me up by name. Now, I'm not the British violin player. I'm the other Steve Gamlin. So oh, okay. I found that there's a guy, the UK violin player with the same exact name. Okay. I'm not him. So all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Yes. Do check out Steve because he's a great guy. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. All the best. Thanks for having me and to you as well. Cheers. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Steve Gamlin. If you would like to catch up with Steve, you can find all his details at stevegamlin.com. You can also find him on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and on YouTube. And now all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? 
You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions, ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing. And of course, sharing it with a friend. Because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.